this way. All right, here we go. Current. Okay, so here we go. We are hopping into the word study method. So the past uh, four weeks, we, we were doing like a pre-topic before hopping into the study method. So last week we um, did our last pre-topic on uh, interpretation. And we talked a little bit about um, the process of exegesis, um, which is hermeneutics. And so, of course, uh, when you're in uh, one of my classes, there's always a pop quiz. Pop quiz, pop quiz, pop quiz. So for this quiz here, <laughs> but the, the, don't, don't chew me out. This quiz here is only two questions. So uh, not like five or six like the other week. So this should be uh, easy. <laughs> so let's go with the first question here. Uh, I should, this should be why. Why is it important for us to have God's thoughts? We're going to talk about this since class away every week. Why is, it, why is it important for us to have God's thoughts? Um, so we don't lean, in, uh, lean on to our own understanding and so he can illuminate his word to us. Because a lot of yeah. times what we see in a scripture is not always what it is. Sometimes mm -hmm. there's been times where God had me look at a scripture, and then all of a sudden he bring that scripture right to me. I'm like, oh, that's something different. Okay, thank you, Holy Spirit. So, Right. Yes, you hit, you hit on it. So we don't have to lean on our, our, our own understanding and allowing God to illuminate um, his word to us to allow us to know, you know what he meant from the very beginning. Very good. Um, so I lied. It's, it's more than two questions. Okay. So with, with, uh, <laughs> with question one, someone give me a scripture that can support that the Bible is centered around God's thoughts. Um, second or Peter, God inspired. Second Peter 316. What does that say? Scripture is. I don't know it by memory. All scripture is like God breathed. So you said it's what? Say it again. Second what? I think it's Second Timothy three sixteen. Yes, Second Timothy three sixteen. Yes, yes, that's a good one. Yep, all scripture is uh, God breathed and, and is useful for teaching. Yeah, that's a good one. Someone say something else. Okay. Yep. So that's um, the main scripture that we uh, kept talking about was Second Timothy uh, chapter three. Yes, verses uh, fifteen through sixteen. Yep. All scriptures God breathed. And another scripture that we can use is First uh, Corinthians chapter two uh, verses. Uh, you can kind of read, I guess, from eighteen eight, eight to fourteen. And the the main scripture um, starts like on chapter no, I mean verse nine it says. Um, what no eye have seen, what no ear have heard, and what, what no human mind has conceived, the things of God has prepared for those who love him. These are the things of God has revealed to us by his spirit. So the spirit, the spirit searches all things, even the deep things of God. Okay. So that's um, 1 Corinthians chapter 2, uh, starting at like verse 8 or 9, going to uh, 14. Okay. So that's, that's a scripture that we can definitely use to, to, to support that God uh, gave 
this word, this scripture uh, to mankind, okay? All right, and the um, last question, <laughs> I think, is what are the six hermeneutical rules of exegesis? What was the acronym that I gave you all? C-W-G-I-D-S. B what? Yes. What does the C stand for? Context. Context. Yes. What about W? Word. Word. G? Grammar. I? Intent. Yes, intent, author's intent, yes. Uh, B? Background. Background, and S is? Scripture. All right, saints. <laughs> and you know what's funny? And your acronym is supposed to be C-W-G-I-B-S, and I put I-B-C. Uh, Inspirational battle. I know it, I know. <laughs> That's why I was confused, like, what? Right, right, yeah. So CW, we call it CW Gibbs, if that's easier to remember or whatever. So yes, definitely. So in this lesson today, uh, I'm going to be emphasizing these principles a lot, okay? We're going to see it a lot in our reading um, in this Rick Warren chapter on, um, on word, the study of word. So I'm going to be highlighting um, uh, passages that he mentions so we can see it in, in various wording. So when we're doing our studying and when someone throws out uh, uh, like the, the background of the author or something like that, you know that that is author's intent, uh, you know, things like that. So I'm going to be highlighting some things, okay? So good. Let me see, make sure I got all my notes. Good. So let's hop into the lesson. That quiz wasn't too bad, amen. So let's see here. So this is on um, page 133, okay, um, in your book. Let's go ahead and start from the top here. And let's read that first sentence that says, the Bible was originally written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Pop quiz. What books in the Bible were originally written in Aramaic? Esther. Esther, yes. And, um, shoot. Esther was the one I knew. Okay, we got two more. Ruth? I know it was when they were in captivity, but I can't remember. Ooh-wee! Uh, Who was the, the, the dreamer? Who was the Daniel? one? Huh? Daniel? Daniel, parts of Daniel was written in Aramaic and one more. I don't know if you will get this one, but I got faith. <laughs> he was the, one of the main one that led the, um, that led Israel back to their homeland. Moses? No, not Moses. Back to their homeland after captivity. Nehemiah? Not Nehemiah, his buddy though. <laughs> this was kind of tough. Ezra. Ezra. Yeah. Oh. Yes, Ezra was one of the ones that 
help uh, kind of restore Israel back um, after captivity. And, and uh, Tammy, you mentioned something after, after uh, during their exile, do you, do you all remember, uh, because it's written in Aramaic, what, what, uh, what group of people were they under? What people spoke the Aramaic language? Was it the Persians? The Persians, ooh wee! Yes, the Persians, that's right. Yep, so they were under uh, Persian captivity. And that's and their main language was Aramaic, and so that's why uh, you got set a few books of the Bible that were written in Aramaic. Now, this this question here is the money take home the money right here. Why was Esther, the book of Esther, considered a book that a lot of faith communities did not want to put in the Bible? This question is from Introduction to the Bible. Why was Esther a book that a lot of people did not want in the Bible? It doesn't mention anything about God. It does not. Ooh, was that Tamika? Ooh, the money maker. It does not mention anything about God at all. You won't see the, the name of God anywhere in the book of Esther. So that's why a lot of scholars and a lot of faith communities did not want that book in their canon because they didn't, they didn't think it was God inspired because God wasn't in it. <laughs> so, Ooh, y'all did good on that pop quiz. I know I threw that at y'all. So very good. Very good. And that was only sentence one. We got a lot to cover. All right. So let's keep, <laughs> let's keep reading here. Uh, so, but you're going to hear this story a lot. Um, when it comes to the Persians and the, and the Babylonians and the Greeks and the Romans, you're going to hear it a lot, especially in our next segment of TLC. Um, you're going to be hearing that a lot as far as um, Israel in captivity. It plays a lot um, in history and um, it plays a lot when you're reading the book of Daniel, understanding Daniel and Daniel ties into Revelation and all that stuff. And Daniel talks about the time of the Gentiles and that's, that is Babylon, Persia, Greek, and Romans. And it has a lot to do with the end times as well. So you're going to hear it a lot. So I want you guys to keep rehearsing this uh, in your spirit. Amen. So, all right, let's keep, let's keep reading. Um, the Bible was originally written in Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. Even though the average believer does not know these languages, we can still do word studies because of the availability of many excellent translation and reference tools okay so um what uh does studying the original word of scripture um do for us um studying the original words of scripture is a step uh step towards knowing the mind of god okay um so let me see let me go to this slide here because i'm reading from the book but i won't read for the slide too um the fact of the matter is that words are not being used today um in the same way in most cases as they, were, um, as they were during biblical days. Um, that is all the more reasons Bible students must be careful about basing their theology on particular words and the way we use them today, okay? As we're finding out, as we keep um, studying and as we keep looking at scripture, we realize that a lot of words that they use um, in the Bible days, uh, we use them totally different from today. 
And if you already hopped and, and did the reading, um, if you did read chapter seven, we're, they're going to talk about what well, we've been talking about it for weeks, though, about the difference between the Greek language um, and how, I mean, the Hebrew language and how there are 11,000 words versus the English language and things like that. And so uh, we have to really be careful uh, when looking at, at words, making sure that uh, we have an understanding of uh, their meaning when they use a certain particular word. Okay, so let me go to the... I got like so many sources here. Okay, so let's go, let's hop down to the definition. Okay, so the word study method of the Bible takes a microscopic look at the origin, definition, occurrences, and uses of particular word, especially if, if it relates to the context of passage of scripture. The purpose is to learn as precisely and comprehensively as possible what the biblical writer meant by the word he uses. So in your book, if you are writing in your book, I want you to hi highlight or underline um, these uh, phrases. The first one is uses of a particular word. Right there is the hermeneutical principle of word, okay? So go ahead and uh, underline that. And then I want you to underline what the biblical author meant so what hermeneutical rule is that one right there? Author intent. Author's intent, okay? So I want you to highlight that and so you guys can, you know, draw a line and write author's intent or draw, you know, word study or whatever so you, you will know. And then the last one I want you to highlight is context of a, a passage of scripture. And what hermeneutical rule is that? Context. Context, okay? So as, as I said, like throughout this chapter, he's going to be rewording it in a way, the hermeneutical principles in a way. So I want you all to become familiar um, of the hermeneutical um, principles written in a, um, various ways, okay? So, drop my stuff, okay. All right, um, so let's go to, nope, I don't want to go there. Let's see here. We did that one already. The purpose. I did. I, I did the purpose. And then I wanted to go. Yeah. Let's go to the next page here. Um, why you should study uh, the words in the Bible. I think I must be missing. No, I must be missing a slide. Okay. Um, so it says, Irvin Jensen has said, just as great door swings on small hinges, so is the important theological statement of the Bible, often depend upon even the smallest words, such as presuppositions and articles. When you hear presuppositions and articles, what hermeneutical rule is that? Grammar. <laughs> Grammar. Okay, so you see, we're going to be looking... Here's another one right here is grammar, okay? Um, most of the great doctrines of the word of God revolve around a single word such as grace, atonement, and faith, or faith. In order to understand the deepest meaning of scripture, we must study the specific words that we, that we use. And so it's important to understand what the Bible meant when, when, they, when we hear these words, grace, uh, atonement, and faith, and other words like the words that you all picked um, uh, for this assignment, 
we had waiting, we had transformation. Um, so it's, it's important to understand what the scripture says about these things versus what we believe today um, about these things. And there is a term, a hermeneutical term uh, that is used to describe uh, words that uh, have a meaning in the, in the biblical days versus the words that, um, the meaning that we have today. And it's called, it's called semantic range. Okay. Uh, semantic, S-E-M-A-N-T-I-C range, semantic range. Okay. Once we get deeper in hermeneutics, probably not this year, I don't know when, but uh, when we get deeper in hermeneutics, you're going to hear that word semantic range. Okay. So the meaning um, behind a word uh, in the Bible days versus the word meaning today. Okay. And there's another word that you will hear. It's called semantic field meaning that you're taking a, a biblical word and there are various meanings behind that word. Um, like we've, um, like we've, we've been learning about um, the word overseer. Overseer can mean bishop. The overseer uh, can mean elder. It has various uh, meanings behind that word, okay? So those are the two, two definitions, hermeneutical definitions that we're probably hearing later on, okay? Um, so let's go to the next slide here. Do I want to go there? Uh, what was that second one again? Semantic range. The other one, sorry. Semantic field. There you go. Yep, semantic field. So semantic field is uh, meaning behind a word in the Bible days versus the meaning behind the word today. Semantic range is taking a biblical word there's various meanings, various words used uh, for that particular word, okay? All righty, let's hop in this one here. Uh, yeah. Okay, yeah, I'll, I'll jump back to that one. Okay, so let's read this one. Correct interpretation of biblical truths depends on a correct understanding of the words used to convey these truths, but these words were written in a language different from ours and their full meanings are not always transmitted completely through a translation. Therefore, much of the deep meaning of scripture is found merely on the original language used by the, by the writers. So as, ha, as we have been discussing, tools are available to assist Bible students today, okay? So when we are looking at uh, translations. And we talked about this last week because um, someone wanted to know about um, various translations of the Bible. Um, this is a chart that you really want to keep in mind when choosing a particular Bible to read or I want, like I've been emphasizing, just keep your mind open when it comes to various versions because when you start doing a, your, your Bible study, you want to be able to do a parallel study because all of the English translations, they say something kind of different. Now, I don't want you to overwhelm yourself by looking at all the English translations, but look at maybe one per column in, and, to, and to compare what they're saying. So when you're looking, like Excuse I said, me. yep, yes. Can we go back and repeat what you said? I'm sorry, I was having a hard time understanding. What was I saying? <laughs> Well, you were just talking about uh, the comparisons of this, uh, what you're showing right here. 
Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> I know you're fine. Um, when you're doing a study, I guess right there, uh, uh, I want you to keep an open mind of the, uh, of the versions that you use or whatever. I don't want for you to be overwhelmed by looking at every version, English version that's available, but at least look at one per column so you can compare because um, in, in column number one, you're dealing with book uh, with uh, translations that translate from word word from word, okay? That gives you kind of the uh, man uh, the literal the literal meaning word word from word, and uh, I can't see it because it's so small on my screen. Hold on, you guys, and I got there's a it has an important point on that on that slide, and I can't read it. Um, give me one second. It seems like we used to be able to make your thing larger on our screens, but I can't do that now. You know what I mean? I used to be able to, when you put up a document, I used to be able to. Well, this, this document it. here is available in the Dropbox. Um, okay. And so you're Trish, able to, to pull it up there. Tracy, you may want to turn your camera around and the document will be bigger. Okay. Um, I'm in, I'm in uh, landscape mode. Okay. Um, I, I switched to iPad, so it's actually bigger than it would be on my phone. Okay. All right. Well, Give me I one can second. read it. I'm not having any issues reading. No, I am because I am at church, and so the screen is on the screen. I mean, the my screen is on the monitors oh <laughs> yeah and i'm in the back of the church and so that's why i said i can't see it so um you're so fancy you know i anytime <laughs> you teach a class it's better for me just to go ahead and be at church because this is i gotta be here anyways so damn uh, at breakfast yeah. it's fancy but I, I didn't think this through all the way <laughs> i didn't think this through um, let me pull up this chart here because there's a note in there that's that's very um, oh here it is okay that's very important to highlight it says under the formal word from word it says that the aim to translate word from word is to retain the form um, the words and scriptures uh, words and structures of the original text as much as possible and so when, when they do that the result is an English transmission that's primarily accurate yet comprehensible and so when you get into the immediate translations, um, it is, um, their theory is uh, mediating between literal and idiomatic. Um, and their aim is to retain the form of the original text where possible without compromising its function, um, i.e. to convey meaning. And the result of that is the English translation is both accurate and clear, okay? Um, whereas meaning for meaning, um, that's when we get a lot of, uh, we get the NLT and the contemporary English version and all that stuff. Um, the theory behind that is it's idiomatic um, or meaning for meaning. And their aim is to retain the function of the original text uh, to convey meaning as much as possible. And so they translate uh, phrase upon phrase, meaning upon meaning, Whereas the word, the word translation 
they they focus on um, keeping the integrity of the original text as much as possible. And so this is the reason why when you're doing like a, a study, maybe take one from each column just to see how they translate um, the scriptures and things like that. Okay. So definitely thank you so much for that because this last studying i was all over the place yes, yes. it is it was just like oh my god you know i got all this stuff laying out in front of me and also then i'm going on the internet it was yeah yeah a lot. it can be overwhelming so as uh, as we continue to build our capacity in this thing i just um uh want to just recommend or suggest to just grab a translation from each column so you can see um, the wording of it, okay? So yeah, please, please Listen, go ahead. Started dealing with that message Bible again. And then I I, because I use my devices, I forgot to switch stuff back. You know what I mean? <laughs> you gotta do it. And I was reading all week and something was like, man, this sounds too easy to my ears. And I was like, oh my God, it's still the message. Switch it. Still, right. <laughs> My ears yeah. was like, oh, yeah, this sounds so good. Right, you know, right. It sounds like if I'm talking to somebody, you know? Yeah. So I lost because I was like, wait, I don't understand that. And that's how I realized because the wording they use snapped me out. I was like, wait, that's too much like me right there. Let me. And then right. I had, but yeah, I was reading that message all week. I was so mad. Like, dang it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, yeah. So, yeah, when you're reading Meaning Prime Meeting, it just kind of gives you an overview of what yeah. scripture may be talking about. But you definitely want to uh, use another version, maybe word yeah. from word, to make sure the words that they use are accurate and things like that. And, so. they'll, and they'll even group it and then say, like, yeah. Verses 25 to 54, and it's this small paragraph. And I'm like, oh my God. Yes, and they, they, yeah, they will group a lot. And I just yeah. feel like they cheated. So, <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, definitely um, that is one thing. We're going to talk about that, too. Uh, let me pull my notes back up here. Yep. Okay. All right. Another one here. All right. What about the, um, you mentioned a concordance. And yes. I can't remember what you said last week, which, which one to, which, which is a better. Um, yeah, to? actually, I was going to mention that one uh, about the uh, tools that are available. Let me hop here then. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. yeah. So in the book, it lists, especially in the introduction of the book, it gives you um, a whole bunch of resources that you can use or, or whatnot. Um, as far as concordances, you can never go wrong with Strong's concordance. Um, and so here, you know, uh, it says, you know, get a, a Bible dictionary or encyclopedia, um, a good English dictionary, um, set of word studies, and also a lexicon here. So I'm going to do an example for you all with the tools on Bible Hub. Um, to show you guys, show you all how to use it. So let me, yeah, yep, because I'm here. Yep, I'm right there anyways. So this is the slide that was, that was next. So it says, furthermore, when the original text of the Bible was translated into English, some 6,000 different words were used, whereas in Hebrew, 
Aramaic and Greek and, uh, and Greek original, 11,280 words were used. So how do you fit 11,000 words into 6,000? By translating several different original languages, uh, original language words into one English word. And that's what uh, Wayman was talking about when he was reading the Message Bible, how they will condense a, a whole paragraph into like two or three sentences or whatnot. So we see that um, in scripture a lot. So I'm going to show you another example of kind of condensing phrases into, into one word. Um, let me exit out of here. Let me pull up my browser here. I had it saved, but I had to restart my computer this morning and yeah, let's see here. And so um, if you are on your device or if you are on your computer, I want you to go ahead and go to biblehub.com and I'm going to show you. Um, all right, can you, let me see here. Uh, yep, all right. Man, yep, hold on y'all, give me one second. So right now you don't see my browser, right? Yeah, we don't see it. Okay, hold on. So let me do this one then. Let me do. I saw it. Hold on. Yeah, I had it on there, then I took it off. Okay. Um, let me share my first desktop then. All right, do you see it now? Yes. Okay, okay, I had to switch it. All right, so. With Bible Hub, like I said, there are a lot of tools that you can use. Um, so the word that I am going to do, I want to go to uh, 1 Timothy, where's my example? Three, 1 Timothy 3. Okay, nope, let's do 1 Timothy 3 and 11. Let me do that again, 1 Timothy 3 and 11. Do it. Oh, there it is. Okay. All right. So you see here with First Timothy three and eleven, um, the the scripture says, in the same way, their wives must be. I'm reading from the New Living Translation, so that is the meaning for meaning. Okay. Um, in the same way, their wives must be respected and must not slander others. They must exercise self control and be faithful in everything they do. The NIV, which is the, I believe that is the middle column, the intermediate, it says, in the same way, the women are to be worthy of respect, not malicious talkers, but temperate and trustworthy and everything. So what we're going to do for this one, we are going to look at the word women and wives and things like that. So over here, under the study Bible, I am going to click on the women. And then the strong concordance, uh, the concordance page is going to pop up. You've got the Strongs, you've got the NAS exhaustive, and you have the Englishman. Um, you have the um, Thayers as well down here. Okay, so you have a few sources of concordances that you can use. Okay, but I'm going to stick up here with Strongs. And as you see, the word for, for woman, um, there are various usage here. So it could be a woman, 
It could be wife or it could be my lady. And so we have understood um, in scripture, um, in, in church, we understood this to be, oh, the wife of a deacon must be this way. And a lot of churches, they've, they've um, built a lot of um, doctrine behind this saying that if your wife does not exhibit this, then you cannot be a deacon. And then we've heard that this scripture means um, uh, a female deacon, that you should not be in this manner or whatnot. So it really just, you see it in various versions. We talked about um, motives behind publishers and behind scholars. They will um, emphasize what they want to, want to see. And so this is why it's so important for us to do, um, to do word studies so we can see uh, what that particular word really means. And so as you go down here, you, when you uh, want to learn more about the word, so we're looking up the word gune. And so we go down here, there's some more translations here. You got bride, you got wife, you got wives, you know, things like that. And it tells you how many times you see this word in scripture. So you'll see this word translate 96 times in the, uh, in the uh, I believe this is the New Testament. So you see that translated so many times. And then over here, you can do, this is where you could do your cross references. Um, you can look at the various scriptures that use the word gune in the scripture, okay? So you can use that. And there is another tool that you can use as well. Remember where it is. Uh, is it the interlinear? See, I had everything up yesterday and I, now I can't find it. Um, let me, let me think. It is the has to be the English. Give me one second. Let's see here, because it gave me. No, it was okay. Hold on, let me go back out because it was lex. It was lexicon. I need to do this one. Yep, that's the one I wanted. So um, I clicked on lexicon and pull up my scripture again. You can use this way or you can just search it in the search bar. So I'm just doing it various ways so you can see um, how they do it. All right, so here um, it breaks down the verse. Um, you get the Greek you get the strongs and then you get the origin of the word here. And so um, the strong translation here says woman. Um, and then here's a, here's a um, phrase, translating phrase to, to one word, um, not malicious gossip. Um, the Greek translated to diabolos. So that's one word to describe a phrase, an English phrase, diabolos. And the strong meaning behind that is slanderous, um, accusing falsely, okay? Um, so you'll see uh, in, in scripture, as you continue to look at various scriptures, you see phrases, um, English phrases being condensed into one word or whatnot. So, um, so when you're doing the word study um, exercise, the, the homework, 
um, you can click on lexicon, put your scripture in, um, look at, this is the NAS, NASB lexicon, and so you can look at the Strong's as well. You can look at the origin of the word. Then you can click on the Strong and go back to where you were before. You can look at the phonetic spelling. Um, you can look at the various usage of the word. Um, and also you can see how many times that word is used in scripture. Um, and you, then you can see the cross references right here, okay? So any questions about that? I have a question. Sure. Under the Thayer's Greek lexicon. Sure. The different meanings would these this be like the different Greek words used? They just condense it into the one word. Um, so with the Greek lexicon, that is the, the yeah the study the study of the word, kind of the the origin of the word. Um, and so, yeah, it talks about, you know, just various ways it was used in scripture. And um, like here, it says, um, let's see, universally a woman of any age, whether a virgin or married or a widow. So it just kind of tells you the context in which the scripture was talking about and, and what that word was used in that context or whatnot. Okay. Uh, All right, any other questions about that? That's just giving you kind of a brief um, overview of how to like study a word using Bible Hub, okay? So you want to, you have your, um, let me go back here. You can click on lexicon. Um, you put in whatever scripture you wanna use. Uh, you see the Greek, the strong and the origin. Some of these, you can click on the origin of the words to see it. Um, and then it gives you, a, you know, the strongs and all that stuff as well. So it's just uh, giving you kind of a breakdown, looking at the origin of the word and looking at the original meaning behind that word. And then even in that, once you kind of got an understanding of that, you can click on parallel right here and look at various various versions right here. And so it kind of gives you, uh, actually it gives you uh, a book from each column here. Uh, you got the NIV, which is for media, ESV, I think that's meaning for meaning, NASB is word from word. So is King James's word from word. And Holman's, that is, I think that's intermediate. I can't think of that. But you get um, uh, the vert, you get um, translations of the book and from each column. So you can see, uh, let, me go, let me go down to 11 here. And it says women are to be worthy of respect. Um, uh, yeah, worthy of respect, not malicious talkers. Um, here it says their wives likewise must be dignified, not slanderous, but sober-minded. Women must likewise be dignified, not malicious gossip. Even so must their wives be grave, not slandering sober. And then wives too must be worthy of respect. So you see the various kind of um, translations of that, of that word or whatnot. Okay, so any questions about that? I, I encourage you just to play around with it, um, just to see how it works so you can get familiar with it. As we continue to 
go through these studies, it'll be uh, a little bit easier to use. Um, trust me, you can never uh, become a master at it or whatnot. It's just um, come, becoming familiar uh, with it in your studies and things like that. It's just take, it takes practice, okay? So don't be discouraged if it seems confusing, but just keep practicing, okay? Because I'm still learning about all these tools. There's so many tools that are available out there. So um, definitely just keep practicing at them, okay? All right, let's go. It's almost, it's 10, actually it's 1029. And I think I have just one, uh, let me see here. Yeah, I think I just have one more. Uh, give me one second. Let's see. Okay, so let me go to the next slide here that we were at. Okay, here we go. Um, so why you should study, uh, why you should study words in the Bible. Uh, we must keep two things in mind when we're doing a word study. First, our word study must be based on the original language of words, not on the English words. There was something that I wanted to read uh, before I got here. Where was it? It was on page... Oh, let's see here. Because it talked about the word servant. Oh, yes. Um, on pa page 135, um, in the same paragraph where it says, furthermore, and it talks about 11,000 and 6,000, um, the next sentence, um, it says, by translating several original languages, language words in the English word, for example, in the New Testament, the English word servant translates seven different Greek words, each of which have a slightly different shade of meaning for a servant. So our language, um, the la a latter one, is unable to completely give the full meanings of the original bi biblical language. So if you have taken servant leadership and deaconship 101, what is the word for deacon in Greek? And Wayman, you can't answer. <laughs> Diakonos. Diakonos. I was about to say, that's Tracy's favorite word. I was going to her to say something. <laughs> she didn't say every other word wrong, but that one? That's <laughs> <laughs> right. Diakonos. And diakonos can mean deacon. Diakonos can mean minister. Diakonos can mean servant. There's so many different words. Uh, translated for this word diakonos, okay? And so you'll see that in scripture a lot, okay? The English word, we just, the English language, we just don't have a word to describe uh, what, the, uh, what the Greek language is trying to say. And so we just use one word. And so here is an example, servant or whatnot. So yeah, I wanted to uh, definitely highlight that. And then we can go on this slide here because that's the next paragraph. So we must keep these two things in mind when doing a word study. First, our word study must be based on the original language words, not on English words, okay? We want you to get beyond the English language and to look at the original language the scripture was, was uh, written in in order to get an uh, accurate meaning of scripture. Second, we must always allow the context 
to indicate the ultimate meaning of the word. So when you look um, at the original language, you still must consider the context. Because when, when I say the word um, top, when you hear the word top, there are so many different things that probably run through your head. You can say the top of your head or the top of a canister or a top, the little toy top. And so you have to hear the context of which, uh, which I mean behind that in order to understand the word top. When I say the word right, there are so many different words. When you hear it, you know, I can say right from left, or I need you to write this down or go to right aid. You know, it's, it, you have to hear the context and how to spell it, that is grammar, in order to understand the meaning behind the word, okay? Um, so we have to understand that words make thoughts. So putting a single word by itself has no meaning without context, okay? But first you must determine what word to use. And so, yeah, it's work, but it's rewarding work, okay? So we talked about this already, about tools that are available and the, uh, let's see, three common difficulties in doing a word study. So any method you use to study the Bible will have some exceptions. In fact, when you're doing a word study, you need to be aware of some difficulties you must run to. Sometimes several Greek words are translated by just one English word. So we talked about that, okay? Uh, make, be, uh, be sure to check your concordance carefully to see if this might be true of the word you are studying. Find out of which different original words meant, okay? We give that example with servant, okay? Um, the second one is sometimes one Greek or Hebrew word is translated several ways in English. And the example they had in the, in the book here is with koinonia. And koinonia, I understood it to be fellowship. But there are more. There are more words with koinonia. There's uh, communication. There's uh, contribution. There's dis distribution. There's uh, and fellowship. So you have uh, various ways to to translate a Greek word as well. Okay, uh, and also sometimes an original word is translated by a whole phrase of English. And we uh, we saw that with uh, within First Timothy when I try to give you a phrase of uh, was it malicious. I can't think of the, the phrase that, that that said, but you can see that that whole phrase there was just translated by one word in, in the Greek or whatever. So let me see here. Oh, yeah. So they give an example in the book of, of 2 Corinthians 3 and 18. It says the phrase beholding as in a glass is just one word in the original um, Greek. Yep. I'm not going to try to translate that one. That looks like... um. Some medical, <laughs> some medical word or something. Yeah, so that, that Greek word there translates the, this whole phrase here. And it says, and you would discover some interesting truths when you study the origin of the word, okay? So when you're doing a word study, um, here's what you're supposed to do. Here are the rules, what you're supposed to do, and you can read it in detail in the book. It says, choose your word, find this English definition, compare translations, that's uh, using the chart that I've given you, the English chart, and just choose one from each column, um, English translation of the Bible. Um, write down the definition of the original word. Um, check the words occurrences in the Bible. Find the root meaning and origin of the word. Discover the word usage in the Bible. And then write out application. 
you can do all this on Bible Hub, on that page that I showed you. When you click Lexicon, you have the, uh, the root meaning. You have the, when you click on the Strong's, it gives you the definition. It shows you the occurrences of, of the word. And then you can click on Parallel to compare the translations. See, you can do everything in just a few clicks. Some of you all um, were contacting me about um, hard copies of, of, the, of, um, of some of the sources as well. De I, I said last week, I definitely encourage you to get hard copies, but it can't be pricey. Some of you all found them for good prices online. So definitely um, get used to that as well if you have hard copies um, of uh, resources and things like that, like the Strong Concordance and the Topical, bi topical Study um, yeah, study book and some other resources that are available out there. Okay. So any questions or concerns about this lesson? Get out a tad bit early. I had a question, but I need the slide to ask the question. Sorry. Sure. Which slide was it? The last one you that we just were looking at. The eight steps? Yes. Can you see it or no? Is it on yeah, screen? Yeah. Mm -mm. No. Okay. Hold on. Let me see here. Share. All right. Can you see it now? Yes. All right. Um, okay. So at some point, like step six, right? Find the root meaning and origin of the of the word um is there an assumption here that we'd only find one greek word for example or you know what i mean i thought i saw some examples on bible hub where you had multiple greek words for the one word let me go back to can you see Bible Hub? No, you can't see Bible Hub. You can see it now, can't yeah, you? No, uh-huh. Okay, hold on. Because I can't see it. Let's see here. Uh, let me do it this way. Stop one. Boom. Okay. Can you see it now? Yes. All right. Let's see, let's go back here. So this is what it means, origin, over here okay yeah so that's where you want to kind of look at here uh, okay um i can't remember what that means a, is it primary word a primitive word i'm gonna have to look that up and let you all know what they when they, when you see this what does that mean i can't remember mm -hmm. the top of my head but yeah this is what it means by origin though look okay. at these words here okay Okay, cool. Mm -hmm. um, any other questions? We're pretty good. All right, I definitely want to encourage you all to keep trucking through this. Um, it's going to get uh, harder and harder, but it's so rewarding and it's, it's so good. And it's just allowing us to really, um, really get uh, familiar with the tools so we can continue to go deeper in the study of God. So uh, you're definitely going to need these tools for our next TLC session. 
that's coming up. So uh, after um, Bible study methods. So I encourage you all to really um, try to attempt to, to do this lesson. Um, you know, we've heard from people who just try to attempt to do it and that's good. So uh, definitely uh, continue and um, continue trucking on. So any other questions or anything before we close out? What's the homework for next week? Yeah. The homework is to do the word study method. Oh, okay. Yep. Yep. Okay. Do the word study method. So um, if you all need the chart in Word, I don't think I put it in the Dropbox. I fell asleep yesterday. So um, I'll definitely put it in there this afternoon if you need it in Word document. Um, but if not, then, you know, you can write it out or whatnot. So. Yeah, I need it in Word document. Okay. Okay. I'll definitely drop that in there this afternoon then. Okay. Cool beans. All right, let me pray out here. Uh, Father God, we thank you for this day. Thank you, God, that you are God alone. And God, in you, there is, there is no failure. There is um, no doubt. There is no fear, Father. Uh, so God, um, give us the courage. Give us the strength to continue to seek your word, God. And that we come into the realization that getting to the mind of God is hard work. But at the end, it is very rewarding. And so, God, we thank you, oh God, um, for the rewards that are to come, God, as we continue to diligently seek after you, God. So, God, we thank you, oh God, that you allowed your word to be readily available to us, God, that you really want for us to understand um, your scriptures and be, to be able to get your mind, Father. So, God, we thank you and we love you. I pray for those who are, um, this is new to them. So, God, I pray that they will continue to um, keep going, oh God, and not to become discouraged. I pray, oh God, that we are able to say words of encouragement and up uplifting to those who are new at this, oh God. For once we come over this, this hump of um, learning different methods um, and then allowing the Holy Spirit um, to come in during our study time to illuminate your word, oh God, we're able to use the tools that are available to go deeper into you, Father. So God, we love you and we bless you and we give you all the praise, glory, and honor in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank all right, you. Y'all. Y'all have a good day. Thank you. Bless everybody. I think Amen. we finally see we will see each other what next week? Is that our first service back? Yes. <laughs> oh boy. But I think we're still gonna do Zoom for TLC, if I'm not mistaken. Um, yeah so but we'll see each other next week for for service so i'll try to be good and stay for service i know y'all gonna be it's only phase one it's only phase one so that's only a select group right. No. right only a select group right but that select group still probably gonna shout so it don't even matter so uh, <laughs> so yeah so all right. <laughs> I'm going in, especially that front row. I won't. I won't call out who's on that front row, but no, I'm good. Uh, <laughs> I'm good. I won't call them out, but the Lord.